Warning, content not suitable for children. Listener discretion advised, yo. Screaming Chewy Show, your source of entertainment and overall fuckery. And it starts now. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Screaming Chewy Show. I'd like to welcome special guest Chrissy, host of Cypher Knowledge Podcast. How you doing, Chrissy? Hey, what's going on? I'm doing good. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good. Hey, so, uh, so how you? So uh, you're um, as you're a fellow podcaster, but um, as a career, you're also a nurse, right? Yes, I am a registered nurse. I work um, in the hospice, so my specialty is hospice, so I work with end-of-life transitioning, um, death and dying, and, you know, the comfortable portion of dying. Um, I always feel like death should be a healthy death, just like we should have a healthy birth. So I do that, and then during the day, um, you know, just to make an extra little cash, um, (laughs) I work with the community community and uh, our elderly patients that have either been hospitalized or been in long-term rehab that are coming home, transitioning home, uh, I go and do a couple of visits and check on them at home. So I do some home care nursing as well, um, all in the community. So that's what I do. That's a lot of work. Um, in hospice, man, you're, you got to be really tough. I mean, Mentally, do you like prepare yourself or are you kind of used to it by now? So I've been doing this for quite a few years now. And I always say it chose me. I didn't choose it. Uh, and I think that's just kind of the nurses that go into this field. That's kind of how it is. I think the other portion for me is um, I have a, you know, I have my faith. Um, I'm not a radicalist, but I have my faith. And I think that helps me to understand and be comfortable with death. Uh, And I also think it's really rewarding. Some people look at the death and dying part of it. I look at the comfort part of it where I am able to walk into a stranger's home and life at their most vulnerable moment um, when they're about to lose a loved one um, and be able to provide comfort and support and help them be comfortable with the transition into end of life. So it's rewarding because you can walk away from it saying I made a difference. So it's really important. Yeah, for sure. You know, their last moments alive and you just make them the most comfortable as possible, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like you don't, you, and I, <laughs> I'll admit, like I've, I've gotten into a couple of cases where the the patient is not comfortable as they're transitioning uh, to their last moments. And 
I, and it's usually not my case. It's another nurse's case. And after it's said and done, I won't make a scene there, but I'll go back to that nurse and be like, you missed the entire purpose. <laughs> and I think you need to reevaluate what you're doing here. Cause I take it very, very seriously. Um, I'm a big advocate for my patients. I will go back to my organization and say, we were supposed to do this, this, and this, and you haven't done it. And if you don't do it, then I'm transitioning them to a different hospice. So let's figure it out. I don't play games. Their, their care comes before the dollar for me. So. Oh, I think that's amazing. You know, um, you have it spot on because I think of a lot, a lot of people that are nurses or police officers or careers like that. And they don't have a passion for it. That's when they could be like uh, neglective towards, you know, their patients or, you know, just not doing it right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I'll tell you. And I've, and I've done it. I've walked in and said, you've got 24 hours to remedy this. And um, I get them to remedy it, <laughs> you know, and I, I don't, I don't say that to be boastful or prideful, but I say that as in, that's what every nurse should be at the bottom you know, at the end of the day, the bottom line is an advocate for their patient, especially when they can't speak for themselves. So that's number one. Very true. I could sense uh, some gangster in you too, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Born and raised in the Bronx. Yes. I'm a New Yorker. So um, I can be compassionate and empathetic and caring, but do not cross me. <laughs> you will kill them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you just get a little taste of what the Bronx looks like. <laughs> so um, you were a nurse over there as well, right? I was an EMT in New York. So um, yeah, so I was an EMT in New York. Uh, that was an interesting job. You've seen everything um, in different people from different facets of life different socioeconomic statuses, different health statuses. Um, and I mean, I can go on a call as simple as a little old lady who fell and we need to get her up and uh, all the way to, you know, a car accident, gunshot wound, stabbing. So it, it was interesting. You have to use your critical thinking skills. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, because uh, you don't want to hurt them more, right? You got to position them right and treat them right well it depends if it was my ex-husband i don't know (laughs) (laughs) you'll be fine to slap some tape on yeah there you go (laughs) but no definitely i mean no it's it's not even so much like if you pulled up on the scene of a stabbing or gunshot victim right you, you need to first make sure the scene is clear because where's the the assailant where's the one who did the stabbing or the shooting like i'm not trying to get shot or stabbed Oh, so, that'd be fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so you definitely have to assess the scene. Uh, that's number one is assessing the scene in EMS and making sure that it's safe for you to go in and you don't end up becoming a victim. So, but, you know, and, and it, I'll tell you, that's, it sounds easier than it is because when you're in tunnel vision um, and you're getting to the scene and you know there's an injured party there, you want to rush in and do what you're trained to do right? To help them, to save them. And you kind of, your, your, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Your senses kind of go out the window. Like you're not thinking rationally. So it's a, it's not as simple as it is. It takes a lot of training to recognize you have to fall back for a minute 
and just really assess what's going on. And then you could jump in and, and, and go to work. But it's, uh, it's crazy. I, I told you, some, some quiet days, and we don't like to use that Q word in EMS or nursing. That is a sin if you use that a Q word. But <laughs> there's a, <laughs> no, you never say it. You can't even say the Q word. Like that'll get you murdered too. So, <laughs> so, but yeah, some nights were quiet, but most nights were very active and busy. Uh, I remember, and I think it was 2003 when we had that big power outage up in the Northeast region. And I mean, being in the city, you've got some buildings that are 20 stories high. So I had a call to go pick up an oxygen dependent patient and get them over to the hospital because they needed their oxygen. And they were on the 13th floor, man. I had to carry them down 13 flights. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So you had to, yeah, you had to be fit, man. I could tell you I was not fit then. <laughs> Damn, but, I would have taken like so many breaks. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's an art. Uh, the the medical field is definitely an art. Man, I would have been like, give me some of your oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I, 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 we need to switch spots. You carry me down. <laughs> Teamwork. Yeah, makes the dream uh, work. <laughs> I think you know it's it's a job that's very like underappreciated like you know like you were saying you, you got to look for the assailant you never know i mean mm -hmm. you could walk into a junkie den and they're like fucking tripping out or you don't you never know yeah, right yes i remember i walked into a scene where um woman was uh high on heroin and she had a fork in her hand and i'm not thinking anything i'm i'm walking in right she's got a fork in her hand what's the big deal and i go ready you know ready to approach her to assess her and my partner's like yo and I'm like, yeah, he's like, she got a fork in her hand. I'm like, and he was like, and you can still get stabbed with a fork. <laughs> I was like, you know what? You are right. Let me back up for a minute. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. You want to help right away, but you got to think of yourself as well. Yeah. I heard a story once, um, you know, I wasn't there, so I can't validate it. But from one of my EMS instructors that he had a, a went to a scene, gunshot wound guy uh they shot him uh like uh, in the chest area or whatever like he he may have not made it uh with the injuries that he had but ems got there they go to start working on him and the assailant comes up and says oh you're gonna try to save him and puts a bullet in the guy's head that he had already shot and says Whoa. save him now and walked away holy fuck yo that's some scarface yeah. shit right there mm-hmm so like, and they're just there with brain matter and blood all over them. Like what? Yeah. What the fuck? It's like, oh, well, fuck me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. I was, at, I, uh, it wasn't my patient. I was actually in the E dropping a patient off to the ER and I turn around to see them wheeling in another patient and he has got stabbed in his carotid artery. And every time he, his heartbeat, the blood just squirted everywhere. Oh. So it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, you know, when you're depending where you're working EMS, you're gonna get a different population, right? So you work the rural suburb areas, you may not see that as crazy or as much. You'll probably see it here and there, but not as much uh, in the city. You're just you never know what you're gonna get, man. You never know. 
Yeah, higher population, more violence, right? Yep, absolutely. Everybody living on top of each other. And um, did you always have like a strong stomach or did you have to like kind of work on it being in that career? I think I always had a strong stomach. I knew I wanted to be a nurse since kindergarten. Like I remember being in kindergarten saying, I'm going to be a nurse. That's what I want to be. That's going to be my career. And, you know, it didn't automatically turn out that way. I was a young mom. I got pregnant at 14 and had my daughter at 15. Um, so kind of life got in the way. I did start nursing school when I was 17. I did go to college early, like, you know, and decided that I was going to do nursing. But unfortunately, because of circumstances and having to provide for a child, I needed to work. Um, and that took precedence. And then I started working some really good jobs. And I was like, Oh, I don't need to go back to college. Like, <laughs> because I just got lucky enough to land really good paying jobs. Uh, but eventually in 2000, I believe it was 2007, my, my middle son, my second child was diagnosed with type one diabetes and he was oh, only seven. Yeah. He was only seven at the time. And, uh, at that moment, I knew that I wanted to go back and finish my nursing career. I was like, no, no, um, this is what I want to go back and do. And fortunately enough, I was able to do that a little bit older. But I, I always say that I think I wouldn't have appreciated being a nurse at 18 years old. Whereas, you know, in my early 30s, I was able to appreciate being a, a nurse much more and the experience and the work that it took to become a nurse. So, um, but I always had that strong stomach, like blood bother me, vomit, smells, none of that bothered me. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Damn, I was meant to be, huh? <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Wow. That's, um, you know, it's amazing that you do that, you know, saving lives. And um, by the way, have you heard there's a fucking new strain of COVID? I did. I'm not surprised either. Like, what the fuck, right? I mean, I know it's a virus and they like evolve, right? Mm hmm. So viruses, unlike bacteria, bacteria, when it mutates, it replicates itself identically. Right. It's a carbon copy of the previous uh but you know, bacteria, um, whereas viruses, every time it mutates, it transitions into a different virus. Um, and it could be one little element that's off. Um, and once that changes, it could be one little thing that changes. It's now a new virus and it depends Damn. on how strong the strand is going to be. You know, now these vaccines, the question is these vaccines that we're taking, right. Are they going to cover the new strand? Because the flu shot doesn't work like that. The flu vaccine doesn't work like that. You know, it works as you've got flu strand A, B, you got influenza A, B, C, right? And usually what they do is the year previous, they go to Asia and they kind of look at what is the most predominant strand of the virus that's floating around. And then they, that's where they make the vaccine. And then, you know, they come over to the U.S. and that's the flu shot strand that they're giving, you don't get all three strands, you get whatever one they found predominantly in Asia. And then let's say they immunize you for, or let me not say immunize because vaccinated and immunized are not the same thing. Oh, not at all. I never knew that. No. Yeah. They're not the same thing. So you'll get vaccinated for strand B, but now all of a sudden strand A is here and that shot didn't, you know, it's, it's worthless at this point. 
unless you're surrounded by strand B. So you can be vaccinated, but not build up an immunity to it. So it depends on how your antibodies develop. Um, I'm trying to make it as simple as I can for, you know, whoever's listening. Uh, so yeah, so you can take a vaccine, not be immunized by it because you're, because you don't have any sensitivity to it. Right. And then this is why we have MMR boosters and stuff like that, because they're still trying to get you immunized. So vaccine does not equate immunized. Fuck. I had no idea. That just, that makes it worse. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just waiting to see what happens. I'm kind of just waiting to see what happens. Um, you know, I work with COVID positive patients. As a matter of fact, last night I had to go to a COVID positive patient and I just keep my, you know, I gear up, I gloves, mask, goggles, head, you know, headgear, you know, footwear. And, you know, I do what I got to do. I wash my hands. I wear my mask. I don't cough in anybody's face. I don't go to social events where there's 200 people with no mask. You know, it's all about just, uh, realizing that there's little things that we can do to kind of help prevent the spread. And I, I had one of my patients yesterday, funny enough, tell me, well, if you notice the flu, nobody's gotten the flu this year. Isn't that crazy? I said, no, it's not that crazy. She said, how is it not that crazy? I said, cause everybody's wearing a mask. Oh, <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. Right? Washing their hands. Yeah. That's the one thing I learned in 2020 was that America is nasty. Oh, big time, man. I mean, imagine if you could see all the germs, it'd be fucking disgusting. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't be near half the people you are. <laughs> You're like, I ain't shaking hands, bro. Sorry. We'll do a head nod. I, you know, it's so funny. I was thinking to myself, I wonder how Howie Mandel is doing. You know, he's a germaphobe. Like, is he just secluded and isolated in a bubble? I really want to know how he's doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a hazmat suit or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's very interesting stuff. I had no idea about the, you know, immunized and vaccinated. Um, that just makes the whole situation scarier. You know, everyone thinks the vaccine is gonna save us all, and then, then all of a sudden a new strain comes out. Like, fuck. Yeah, and maybe I haven't seen it through the research that I've done, but I don't know if the question has been answered: Is this gonna be a yearly vaccine? How long yeah. do the antibodies stay in our system? Very true. How right? like, often do we have to? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of questions that I, I still don't have answered. And maybe I'm not looking in the right place. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like there's still room for information to be disseminated properly. <laughs> you think 2021 is going to be the sequel? I do. I do. I think we will have some reprieve. I think there will be some reprieve probably end of spring. Maybe. That's if, a, if, yeah, if we're all doing what we're supposed to do. I, I think mean, we- I think a lot of people don't care, though. You know what I mean? There's, I, I don't get it. I think people are confused. There's people saying the coronavirus don't exist for those same people are saying that 5G is causing it. Like, no, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I <laughs> think you're confused. 5G. <laughs> I don't know if you heard, uh, I was just watching uh, the, 
Republican, uh, I think his name is Letlow from the 51st District in Louisiana, 41 years old, just passed from COVID. Oh, our first congressman to die from COVID. What? He has two small children. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I've seen people struggle at the end of life with COVID to sit here. So I can't sit here and say it doesn't exist. I've seen it firsthand. Mm -hmm. And I I think what happens is, so, you know, I'm going to give you my slogan to my podcast and a quick synopsis. So my, my podcast is, is pretty much providing information to people um, that may otherwise not get it or have access to it. Uh, And I, I have all different information from medical It's not always serious. I have some fun advocacy causes, different things like that. But the slogan to my show is, if all you've experienced is all you know, then you are in a deficit of knowledge, right? And I think that pertains here really well. And I think it pertains to anything in life across the board is if you're not experiencing or seeing people die from COVID close to you, then of course you're going to think it doesn't exist because it hasn't affected you. And you haven't mm-hmm. thought outside of your five mile radius brain to, and I'm not making that as an insult, but just saying you haven't thought outside of your five mile radius thinking area to kind of understand other people's experiences. Like if you're hearing on the news, this many people died from COVID, how are we sitting here and saying it's a lie? You're mm-hmm. not receiving those other people's experiences as information so that you can broaden your knowledge. Um, and I think that's what happens, you know, oh, well, I haven't seen anybody close to me die of COVID. So it doesn't exist. Uh, Okay. Well, (laughs) why don't you come to work with me one day and we'll see if it exists. Don't, don't wear a mask. Don't put gloves on. Just walk into the room. It doesn't exist. Right. Just go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I dare you. huh? (laughs) Yeah. I triple dog dare you. We'll see how quick that changes. Mm hmm. You're you're so you're so right. People like disassociate themselves from situations like. Um, I've never been attacked by a shark. Sharks don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, no problem. Cut yourself a little bit and go into the waters. We'll see what we'll test it out. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you know, I, I definitely believe the news is lying about the numbers, but it's definitely real. And it, it it's a scary thing, you know, and especially this new strain, they're saying it's more contagious. Like, what the fuck? Mm. So that's what's going to happen with viruses, right? They're going to adapt to their environment. Just like us as human beings, it's a living organism, just like we are, right? So it's Mm going to adapt to its environment. And if the only way for it to survive is by getting stronger, then that's what it's going to do. Like, it's only logical, right? Mm -hmm. It's evolution. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that that's what's going to happen. It's going to learn how to overcome what we're doing to prevent it. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, um, hopefully we're good by next summer. <laughs> I hope so. I really hope so. I, I need I need some normalcy. I need I need some of it to just go back. I mean, although things really haven't changed for me much, I'm pretty much of an insider inside person. Um and obviously I'm still working. I'm fortunate and very blessed um, to still, you know, have two jobs where some people lost everything. Um, so I, I understand that I'm very blessed in that area as well. Um, but that, yeah, too much hasn't changed for me. I'm still working, still at home, still got the kid, you know? 
<laughs> and and it makes it easier to podcast as well, right? Yes. Stay home and edit and you know do interviews and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, fortunately, mine are live shows, and and then um, I don't edit to go to audio. Although I've been contemplating on that, but any any work that I do need done, I have a fourteen year old who is amazing in this field, and I just give it all to him. <laughs> nice. I, but I pay him. Yeah, but I pay him. He gets paid. So wow, he's doing a good job. Yeah, he's he's great. And and uh, you stream in multiple platforms on your video so format, right? Originally, at starting season two, season two starts this Sunday. So all of season one, I was streaming on um, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and I mean uh, Twitch and Periscope. But as of season two, this Sunday, it is only solely going to go on to YouTube. Um, oh, damn. Exclusive. Yeah, exclusively on YouTube. And I mean, I, I still have Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all of that, um, that, you know, they can still all my social media is there to follow the lineup and who's coming on and all the promos and things like that. Those are still going to be there for access. But as far as the lives uh, every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern time, it will be solely on YouTube. Nice. Looking for that season two premiere. And um, mm -hmm. why don't you tell me about your show and uh, what inspired you to, to make a podcast? So, uh, like I said, it's Cypher Knowledge with Chrissy. You can, uh, if you go to www.cypheredknowledge.com and that's C-I-P-H-E-R-E-D. It's what an I, not a Y. Um, I was on a podcast previous and it was for women. And I don't even need to say anything more, right? Like that self-explanatory for women. Just <laughs> yeah. Work. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> that was not. And um, it wasn't kind of going in the direction I wanted either. I've always been the type of person who loved information and loved spreading knowledge. When I was a little girl, I hung out with my grandfather a lot. Um, I was on his hip. He was an actor and a playwright. Um, he was also Native American Indian. So he had a lot of old school teachings and just uh, so much information that he would lay on me. I would sit there or sitting across from him at nine, 10 years old, and we would just chop it up. We would just talk about everything, religion, relationships. Are there aliens? What would he do if there was aliens? Like, you know, oh, that's <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. It was just so cool. And I remembered like all that joy that I would have sitting and talking with him about all these different topics. Um, and, you know, I lost him when I was 18. So, you know, I at least had him for 18 years, but I would have loved to have him a lot longer than that. And um, those are one of the moments that I really, really cherish. So what I started finding myself doing as I was getting older was, I would hear someone asking a question. Let me tell you, I will interrupt your conversation even if I don't know you. If I have information that you're <laughs> seeking, I will stop and talk to you and tell you the answer to that. Nice. So, <laughs> so I would, you know, see people talking and, you know, asking questions. And I'd be like, hey, listen, here, this is how you're going to do that. Da, 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 da. And then we would just start conversing and you know, I'm giving them information. They're taking it down. We're exchanging numbers and they'd come back to me and be like, Hey, this worked. And then, Oh, I'm so happy for you. And it would just bring me so much joy and bring me back to that moment of being that little girl with my grandfather. 
from the little bit of fun remaining from the worst year for modern man presses two podcasters with their outlandish conversations broadcasted to you join the hosts nick and josh every wednesday morning to break free of your regular mindless life as they tackle topics ranging from just about anything possible and if you need more spice in your life tune in every friday at midnight for the mindless midnight where they host special guests time to get mindless The bar is open. Sit back, grab a cold one, and get ready for the news you didn't even know you needed. From the frozen wasteland of western North Dakota to the tropical playground of Florida, it's time for tales of wonder and amazement. Put the kids to bed and pour yourself a drink. Lock the doors and close the blinds. Break out the cocaine and hookers. It's time for Happy Hour News. Hey, so I'm sure you've noticed I've been getting a lot more celebrity guests on my show. And this is all thanks to Steve Joyner. He's a publicist. And man, this guy takes his work seriously. He does not fuck around. And this guy is keeping me busy, yo. He is, yeah, I'm just getting so many celebrity guests. Thank you so much, Steve Joyner. And um, if you yourself are an actor, director, producer, and you are looking for a, a publicist, do not hesitate to contact Steve, right? He is a really cool guy. You'll love him, okay? His phone number is 816 816- Six zero five four five six one, or if you would like to email him, it's uh, all one word, starts with a capital S, and it's Steve's J Network at gmail.com. So again, starts with a capital S, and then it's T E V E S J N E T W O R K at gmail.com. Tell him Screamy Chewy sent you. You will not be disappointed. And uh, yeah, so big shout out to you, Steve. Thanks again, bro. Peace. Um, so that's kind of where the whole premise of the show is. And being able to just spread that information, uh, making the world a little bit more compassionate, empathetic, and tolerant. I think when you can do that, love just kind of blossoms out of it. And you just see the world from a different point of view. So that's kind of the premise of the whole show, where it came from. I just love giving information out, even if you didn't ask for it. (laughs) You know, that's the way it should be. I wish more people were like that because there's so much ignorance in this world and it just creates fear, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are some times that my family's like, nobody asked you. I'm like, I don't care. I had the answer. So, <laughs> you know, you asked so and you got it. it. <laughs> it's like you're going to take whatever information I'm giving you. But yeah, so I've had last season, I had a woman who uh, taught children to meditate, which was really important, especially during this remote learning. Like, I can't even imagine the anxiety that children were having just with the change and structure change. You know, we think kids don't want structure, but they want structure. 
And when that changes, it's hard for them to adapt. So she was teaching kids how to meditate. I had an obstetrician gynecologist on talking about women's health. I had a single father's episode where I had four different men speak about being a single father from different perspectives um, and their experiences. Uh, I spoke, I had um, a comedian on, I had a, a bodybuilder come on and talk about you know, weightlifting and health. I mean, I had a wine expert cigar. I had a sex coach on. That was fun. Whoa. Um, That sounds sounds pretty crazy and interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And next season, if you go over to the website, you'll see the whole lineup. I got a doctor, a medical doctor who's coming on who does obesity and lifestyle um, medicine. So that's going to be the beginning of the year as well. Um, I have, yeah. I'm telling you, that's what I said. New year, new me. Yep. There you go. New year, new me. I mean, I've got a a gentleman who works with autistic uh, people as well as the the developmentally disabled people. I'm a deported veteran. I have a deported veteran coming on um, and his struggle with being deported after serving our country for so many years. So proudly. That's fucked up. Yeah, he was featured on uh, Immigration Nation over on Netflix, uh, episode three. So he'll be coming on. Um, wow. And yeah. So it's a lot of information. I mean, there's going to be fun. I've got some actors and comedians coming on. You know, it's going to be fun. But I also have some really heavy topics that need to be discussed. I love it. You know, a lot of variety, entertainment, and information. Yeah. That's the whole point. Oh boy. Hopefully, you know, anybody who watches takes at least a little bit of information away with them. Very true. And also anybody who watches, uh, subscribe, you know, yes. Leave reviews. Absolutely. Share. Mm -hmm. Hit the notification button. So, you know, when you're going live, but yeah, if you go over to my website, all my social media is there, the YouTube channels there, everything's there. So one place, one stop shop. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i like your website is very organized thank you that's my ocd <laughs> yeah i tried making one with this app called wix i got frustrated it came out all fucked up i think i deleted it <laughs> i'm like i'm not good with i actually did that google sites and i mean it's really easy they walk you through it it's not it wasn't that difficult um and i mean you know the the information's there. Every show is there from season one. All you have to do is click on the picture and it'll take you right to the episode. So if you don't want to see, you know, go all the way to the channel and see every episode that's there and you want to particularly, you know, cherry pick which ones you want to watch, you can do it that way. Yeah, I like that. I clicked it right away. It took me to YouTube. I'm like, oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> Yep. My email's there. If you need to contact me, email, um, phone, you could text message it or call it. Um, yeah, everything's there. Wow. Lots of plans, lots of guests coming for season two. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, so am I. I'm so excited. I can't. The first episode though, is a personal episode and that's me, my mom and my daughter. And we are gonna, yes, it's going to be interesting. Very interesting. I was trying to walk my mother through the whole mechanics of StreamYard. It was interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I can picture it. It's like when when I show my mom Facebook, she's like, how how do I share a picture? And I'll show her a month later the same thing. I'm like, I'll do it. Just just give me your phone. Just tell me what you want to do. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. And I'm like, I can't hear you. I can't see you. Mom, get off the laptop and use your cell phone. Okay. Do you have headphones? <laughs> She's like, I'm like, oh Lord, please make this happen. But <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're going to, I thought it was an interesting concept to have the three of us from three different generations, all being moms of daughters, right? I have two granddaughters. So my daughter's married, has two, two girls. Um, and then also uh, she has two stepdaughters as well. So they're raising four girls in the house. So it's crazy. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's four girls. I'm like, plus her. So that's five. He's outnumbered by five, um, <laughs> the, my son-in-law. But uh, we're going to talk about just different topics. Uh, it was so funny because I caught up with my daughter. I fa- I'm FaceTiming her. And I'm like, what are you doing in the car? And she's like, I'm eating. And I'm like, why are you eating in the car? She's like, because it's Chinese food. I was like, why? It still doesn't answer why you're eating in the car. And she's like, because I'm not eating this in the house because then I'm not going to be able to eat it because then the kids are going to want it. I was like, so, you know, I used to do that, right? <laughs> so she was like, yeah, I was like, yeah. I, like if I had a candy bar, I wasn't eating the candy bar in the house. Like I wouldn't be able to eat it. Y'all would take it from me. So she was like, I was like, but do you feel guilty about it? She was like, no. I was like, I did. I felt guilty. Like, why am I sitting here eating this candy bar? And my kids are in there and I'm like waiting in the vehicle before I get out. And she's like, no, I didn't feel guilty. So I was like, this is perfect. Like, this is the kind of stuff I want to talk about. Like, you know, we'll get into some serious stuff, but I wanted to keep it light too. Like, did you, like, did my mom eat in the car (laughs) when nobody was looking so she could get what (laughs) she wanted? Like, how many parents have done that? I want to ask my mom now. <laughs> I, I know my, my friend, one time she was texting me. She was like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm just chilling. What are you doing? And she's like, I'm eating cookies in the closet. <laughs> and I'm all, why? And she's like, because I'm hiding it from my kids. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so I guess is I guess we're not the only ones. I guess a lot of parents do it. <laughs> you know, I've done the same thing. But for hiding from your roommates. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it should be fun. I mean, we're going to get into it. It's going to get personal. I didn't have the best relationship with my mom growing up. Um, Now that we are adults, um, it's gotten a little bit better. There's still some work that we need to do, but it's getting there. Um, And I had an, uh, there was a whole year I didn't talk to my daughter because we had an out. but I'll tell you, after we got over it and kind of talked it out and worked it through, she's like a best friend, man. I call her probably every day. Um, and not only do we just talk about like what's going on, like I call her for advice and she gives some great advice. Wow. And I'm like, yeah, your daughter giving you advice. Yeah. That's fucking and awesome I take right it. There. I take it. I'm like, you know what? That's pretty like she I, I'll tell you, I did a good job, but she also did really good with working on herself, too. So I will definitely always give her that credit. I mean, she has three degrees, graduated summa cum laude with all three of them. Um, she be- I bought my house at 28. She bought her house at 26. So she's Damn. beating me at everything. And I'm, you know what? But that's what you want, right? You always want better for your kids. Mm-hmm, for so sure. I, I look and I brag and I applaud her at her success. Yeah, definitely something to be proud of. Yeah, so it should be fun this episode. Interesting. And I'll tell you, if you remember, I had her at 15 years old. I had her at 15. That's fucking crazy. You know, and what's what's awesome is that, you know, some people, they're like, oh, I never went to school because I had a kid at a young age. But you know what? 
you have no excuses. Like you, you accomplished what you wanted. You, you did it, you know, even though having a kid at a young age. You know, I think that goes back to um, the five mile radius thinking again, right? So when you know better, you do better. And people use that as an excuse or reason, whatever word you prefer, they both mean excuse. Um, (laughs) You know, when you use that, yeah, when you use that as a reason, it may be because that's all you've seen and that's all you know, right? My push for me was because I didn't have the greatest relationship with my mom, I wanted to be nothing like her. And being nothing like her meant succeeding. That's so, amazing. You, yeah. you broke the cycle. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people don't do that. And they they just keep repeating the same mistakes every generation. Yeah. I, you know, we say the norm, the society, society norm is you go to school, get married, you know, buy a house, have kids. Right. That's kind of and that's how my daughter did it. And I was like, she, so I I in, I I don't know that I broke the cycle as much as I enabled the next generation to break the cycle. You know, I gave her the tools and the skills she needed to make sure she didn't repeat the cycle because I still had a a child at a young age, but I didn't let that stop me. But she, you know, she I'm telling she married at 21. I did kind of look at her and go, baby, 21. You don't want to wait a little bit longer. (laughs) She's She's like, no, this is it. He's the one. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Um, and then I also learned from, and I guess this is what we'll talk about too on the show. I learned what not to do with my, my daughter that my mother did with me. Uh, yeah. So my mom, I would, you know, discipline my daughter and my mother would over, like try to go over my authority in front of her. What? Yeah. Undermine you. Yep. uh, Yep. Definitely. And that was one of our big issues because she thought, you know, I was a young mom. What did I know? Well, you know, it. Uh, you still got to give me an opportunity to parent. Um, and I knew and took with me not to do that with my grandchildren. So when my daughter disciplines my grandchildren, I don't say anything. Even I, if I think she's too harsh, I don't say a word to her in front of the kids. I wait till the kids are somewhere else. And then I'm like, hey, you could have been a little bit softer. And she's like, really? Like you were with me? And I'm like, well, but this is, I'm grandma. So it's whole different. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I think grandmas are way more lenient on the grandkids and their kids, you yes, know, when they were we little. <laughs> we are. And I think what it comes from, right, because I always say this, like when you have a kid, right, so you go to a store, you buy a TV, you open up the box, there's a manual, bam, right? You know how to use the damn TV because there's a manual mm-hmm. that comes with it. You go to a hospital, you push your baby out and they give it to you and say, just don't kill it. There's no manual. There's no, you know, there's nothing. It's like, just don't kill it. All right. Just, you know, make it survive. And um, <laughs> don't feed it after midnight. That, yeah. Don't get it wet. Don't, you know. But, but um, after you've raised your children, you now have a moment. So, and this is what I explained to her you now have a moment to step back and enjoy a child growing in their element, right? When you're a mom, you have a job. You have to make sure they're fed. 
make sure they're bathed, make sure they're, you know, they're clean, make sure they have a place to sleep, make sure they're getting an education, make sure there's food in the fridge, make sure, you know, like all of this, you have a job to do. So you can't really cherish those moments as much as a grandmother who's just coming in and saying, I have all this time. I don't have to be your parent. I can be your grandparent. And now I get to watch them and, and influence. And that, that's was what, this is why I say it is so important for children, not only to have both their parents, but their grandparents as well, because that is a key element. Cause this is where they're going to get that balance, right? They're going to have the structure and discipline from mom and dad, but they're going to have that soft side from the grandparents as well. Who's a little more understanding because they've been there, done that. Wow, very, very wise words. That's wow, that blew my mind. I mean, <laughs> that's a hundred percent right. Um, because I always wondered why grandparents are more lenient, but that completely explains Yeah, definitely. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I still discipline my grandbabies. Like if they're climbing on a damn countertop about to fall, I'm like, what are you doing? Get down. Like they, they still get some recommendations from me and my daughter won't step either. She's like, you heard grandma, you know, grandma said it, you better do it. Like, you, <laughs> you know, you know, and they, they look at me and they're like, oh, wow, grandma disciplined me. Like, I better do it. Like, they know that too. They know it themselves. Like she never says anything. So if she says something, it's serious. So. Yeah. It's funny. Um, My nephew, he's four and he, he could be very sweet and he's really smart. But he could also be a little asshole sometimes. <laughs> yeah, they and he like broke her TV. Like he, he was playing my Xbox and he got mad because he lost. So he fucking hit the TV. She, you know, she got mad, but she didn't like discipline him. I mean, my, my sister did. But like he'll be like punching my mom and she have a fit. <laughs> oh, well, no, you see, that ain't happening. Like that, that, that one's not happening. That, that, the hands on like, because my granddaughter will play around and like push my daughter. And that's when I'll get in her oh. face. I'll, I'll get in my granddaughter's face and be like, why are you putting your hands on my daughter? Nice. And she looks at me, right yep, <laughs> and she looks at me and she's like, huh? And I'm like, don't touch my daughter. That's my mommy. That's my daughter. She was my daughter before she was your mommy. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> so she'll look at me. So yeah, I don't tolerate like that's no, 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 no. There's and and I, I think it just builds that those boundaries like I love you and I will love you unconditionally and I am here to support you and hear you and everything you have to say and do, but I'm still gonna have boundaries and you can't cross them. You still have that little gangster in you, you know, it, it still comes <laughs> out once in a while. I've never had to spank him. Uh, you know, I'm not against spanking a child when deserved. Uh I you know, my mm-hmm. daughter, I think the last time she ever got hit was like seven. My youngest, I don't think I've ever spanked him. He's 14. I don't think I've ever spanked him. With him, <laughs> all I ever had to do is say something and he does it. My middle one, let's not talk about that. Like, I've had diapers <laughs> cases. Like, we've, <laughs> I've had child protective services here. <laughs> like, had some trouble. <laughs> yes. That middle one. But it was so funny. Every time they came, he was like, oh, I'm going to tell them you hit me. I'm like, good. Call him. <laughs> they get here and I'm like, they're like, did you hit him? Yeah, I beat his ass. And they're like, "You, yeah, ask him what he did to get it. 
<laughs> so then he's like, well, what did you do? And then he, they find out, like, he cut out of school and they found pot on him. They found marijuana oh. on him. And they'd be oh. like, so that's why your mom, like, hit you? Yeah. Okay, we're out of here. Nothing found it. Thank you. Have a good day, ma'am. Oh, good job. <laughs> <laughs> because, I, you know, I don't know why people think that spanking a child, like, you can't spank your child anymore. That is not true. You can discipline your child any way you want. But there's a difference between abuse and discipline, Mm -hmm. okay? Abuse is when it's consistent with no merit behind it, no reasoning behind it. You're leaving welts and black and blues and bruises and broken bones. That's abuse. When I smack your butt with a belt because they found marijuana on you while you're in junior high school, that is not abuse. That is discipline. So there's, there's a fine line. And listen, hey, I get it. For parents who don't like to spank, I'm not saying you're doing it wrong. I'm saying for my home and my lifestyle, my first two didn't need beatings. My middle one <laughs> needed beatings. He's 20 and he still needs beatings. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've I seen people at the store with, with their kids, like throwing a fit, like, ah, like throwing stuff around and hitting them. That. And they're like, they're like, no, honey, stop, honey. No. Please stop, 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 honey, stop. And I'm like, pay me and I'll beat the <laughs> shit out of him. There's only but one stop you get from me. Right. Only but one stop you get from me. If I have to say it again, you have a problem, not me. Oh, <laughs> like, shit. <laughs> it's coming. Yep. I tell you, I'm telling sometimes, you know, tough love is the way. Like, I've nurtured my children, I've loved them, I give them support. I love them unconditionally, but there are some times when you just have to be hard. Like my son is 20 and, you know, he has some mental health issues going on and I already told him, you're not allowed to live in my home unless you do three things. And it's really simple. Go to work or go to school, right? Take your mental health meds and clean up after yourself. Those are the three tasks that he has to complete in order to live in his home. He's choosing, yeah, he's choosing. It's too hard. He doesn't want to do all those things. And I'm like, all right, go live with your friends. Damn. (laughs) Not this home, you know, because, because of the mental health issues that I have with him, I'm still raising my 14 year old and it gets very, it gets very intense with him and I, and it's Mm. not fair to my 14 year old to have to sit in fear. What's going to happen with mom. And, and, you know, his brother, why, why do I have to sit there and worry about what's going to happen and then curl up with anxiety in a ball because it's, it's not fair to him. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, that's no. not a good environment. And I'm not doing that to him. So I raised you. I raised you the same way I raised everybody else in this house. OK, I've actually put more support into you and, you know, more assistance and help and everything. And you still choose to make these decisions. Therefore, I have to decide as a mother, I still have a young one that I need to raise that's underage. You are of age. I've given you the tools and stability to do what you need to do. You choose not to use them. I can't help you. Some people may disagree, but. Hey, you got to set boundaries like you were saying, you know, because then they'll just walk all over you. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. He knows he always has a bed. If like, you know, like, let's say he has nowhere to sleep. There's always a bed. There's always a shower and there's always a hot meal for him. 
it's not like I would be like, no, you can't like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't leave him stranded out in the streets, but you can come here for a night or two shower, get yourself together, eat, get yourself healthy. But if you're not going to follow these rules then you've got to go back out there and figure out what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. But there's yep. always a, a soft landing spot for him. He knows that too. And the only other thing that I do do is pay his cell phone bill every month. That's the one thing I do. And that's because I want to always have access to him. Oh, wow. Yeah. So even with me still like, okay, tough love, you can't stay here. I still want to always be able to know that I can pick up the are you, how are you doing? What's going on? Are you taking your medicine? Are you, what are you doing? Have you ate? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I can still do that. So there's still a mother's love mm-hmm. there, but, mm-hmm. but with boundaries. Well, um, yeah, you're a very wise person. Um, you know, and props to you, what you're doing out there, saving lives and fucking ground <laughs> zero of COVID. I mean, you're a very tough lady, very smart. Um, looking forward for your season two premiere. Thank you. Uh, Sounds very interesting. You know, three generations of women, especially how you were saying that you could ask your mom if she was hiding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where they could find you, find your podcast? Yes. So first of all, thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed the conversation. I can talk forever. So it's good that you're wrapping this up because we could do like another two hours. Oh, I could, I, I could go on forever as well. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm having fun as well. you very cool. Thanks. Um, so real simple, if you go to www.cipherednowledge.com, that's C-I-P-H-E-R-E-D, knowledge, K-N-O-W-L-E-D-G-E.com, um, you can go there. You'll find my Facebook, my Instagram, my Twitter, my YouTube. You'll find all of season one. You'll get to see a preview of season two. Um, and my handle for any of them are Chrissy Cipher. So um, Facebook, Instagram, it's all just search Chrissy Cypher and the Facebook uh, podcast page will come up. But you can also just find it at the website. Awesome. I'd like to thank you very much for coming on and uh, keep kicking ass. I'm gonna, I'm gonna until I can't no more. (laughs) (laughs) That was great talking to you. Same here. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm. Bye. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. And if you'd like to support this podcast, check out anchor.fm slash screamingchewygmail.com. Any contribution is greatly appreciated and that makes you my producer. If not, that's cool. I'm just happy you're tuning in. And hey, Screaming Chewy Show merch. Yeah, that's right. At teespring.com. Just Google teespring, T-E-E spring, 
Screaming Chewy Show, just go with that, it'll take you right there. And uh, yeah, you could buy hoodies, t-shirts, socks, masks, you know, if there's any stuff you'd like to see on there or purchase, just let me know and I'll add it on. And uh, yeah, you'll be rocking, styling social media don't forget to follow me on there on facebook screaming chewy show i like to share memes just make up stupid shit share my episodes on there and just whatever um check out my youtube for video versions of my podcast episodes also in between episodes i like to add me streaming yeah watch me get scared playing a creepy game or die playing PUBG or some shit, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, just check out my YouTube and uh, Twitter. It's at Screaming Chewy. Yeah, not Screaming Chewy Show. I should change it to that. But for now, it's just Screaming Chewy. And uh, thanks again for tuning in. See you next week. Peace.